Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Jess, you know how facialists and derms are always telling us that the skin on our body deserves the same attention as the skin on our face? Well, Sol de Janeiro is giving me the inspiration to actually follow that advice for once. The Sol de Janeiro Beige Flor Elastic Cream is basically clinically proven skincare and body cream that smells amazing. The fact that the Beige Flor Elastic Cream smells so good and it's really effective makes it a perfect two-in-one for me. Totally, the scent would be enough to keep me going, but the Sol de Janeiro Beige Flor Elastic Cream is also packed with some seriously effective skincare ingredients. There's cold press cacay oil. I've also been using the cream on my neck and chest, which is an area that could use some love. But to be honest, I wasn't really inspired to treat it before. However, since I've been using this, I've noticed a big difference. Plus, get this, Sol de Janeiro also did a third-party study of the Beige Flor Elastic Cream and found it improved the appearance of crepiness on consumers' chest skin in just two weeks. It's the smell for me, though, Jen. You can layer the Elastic Cream with Sol de Janeiro's Cherosa 68 Perfume Mist. You know the scent. It smells so good. It's got pink dragon fruit, lychee essence, vanilla, sun musk, mm -mm -mm, sheer. You can spray it whenever you want, wherever you want, on your hair, your clothing, your body. There's no rules. And we have some great news. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code mascara10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com and use the code mascara10 for 10% off. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome to Fat Mascara. It is an interview day, and this is a biggie. What's up? I'm Jessica. I'm Jen. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited about this interview. Okay, this is major, major. Now, there's a funny little backstory here. Oh, God. Today, I'm okay, Jen, I'm, oh, she is flushing. She doesn't even need <laughs> any of that, like Selena Gomez rare beauty blush today because it's all oh natural, baby. Oh, natural. We've Stop. got we've got Ben Gorham. He's the guy behind Byredo. He invented it. Yeah, he did. So he's been my beauty crush for like oh, okay years. Yeah, just go ahead, go ahead, Jen. Take it away. I don't know. I'm not anymore. But when I was single, do you remember? If you've listened to the show for a while, there was like a good season of Jen's singleness. <laughs> I talked no, about Ben. 
Like, like maybe a season. I don't know. I talked about Ben Gorham like every other episode and how I had such a crush on him. Of course, he was married at the time. I think he already had kids, whatever. I'd interviewed him for like a tattoo magazine. And I was yeah. like, I just thought he, I liked his story and I liked that he was an artist. And when I, all right, I'm she respected him. She respected uh-huh, him for I his totally mind and his talent. He's not great looking. He's just not great looking, but I really he's very respected handsome. him. <laughs> yeah, no, he, no, he is very creative. Anyway, he's we very used talented. To joke that if we had him as a guest on the show, it would be ridiculous because I'd be silly. Clearly, I have progressed in the world. Um, I'm a married woman now and I held myself together for this amazing interview. So Jess, why don't you tell everybody who Ben is so they can be in on this whole thing with Wait, us. Wait, one more thing. I think what? when I told you I was close to booking him like a few years ago, yeah. you like panicked. I thought you'd be excited. Uh, no, I freaked out. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, you were like, you, you were I not happy. You know what? And we only recorded in person at that point. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. He can't come in our studio. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to sit in it like a nine foot by nine foot room with him. I freaked out. You're right. That's funny. I know. I thought oh you God. would be like proud of me and excited. And it was Meanwhile, opposite. Ben and the Byredo company are going to listen to this. And now I'm super embarrassed. That's how we're introducing him. <laughs> Well, okay. okay. Let's get to the to the one I wrote to the to the intro I wrote down. Okay, so Ben Gorham, (laughs) Byredo. He is the founder of Byredo. Yes, it's Byredo. It's not Byredo, right? I was saying Byredo for my entire life. Byredo. He's a line of European luxury goods. God, this sounds so much drier compared to the original. uh, (laughs) I'm still blushing. I can't talk. Keep going. I'm blushing too now. Um, It was founded in 2006. It's best known for its amazing fragrances like Mojave Ghost and Gypsy Water. But the brand also has leather goods, a collaboration with Jen Atkin and Way, and now, drumroll, cosmetics, a collaboration that he did with the makeup artist Isamaya French. It's very, very cool. It just dropped. Byredo has also been one of the most coveted and buzzed about fragrance lines of the 21st century, marketing to an entirely new generation of consumers. Its influence is everywhere. Just go hop around Sephora and you'll see. There's so many like very cool lines that are clearly influenced by Ben. We do talk with him about that too. Yes. Yeah. And that was a really, really interesting part of the conversation. We can't wait to talk to Ben about how he built his brand and where it's going next. Stick with us. And Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. This really was a dream. Thanks, Mr. Gorham. (laughs) Here we go. So, Ben, you are a big name in fragrance, but you are not a perfumer per se. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in the fragrance world? Because you come at it from really an unusual background. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been 15 years since I started. So um, trying to remember, I know what I was doing. Uh, Most of my life I played, uh, I was an athlete. I played sports. Uh, I went to high school in New York. I went to college in Canada. uh, And I played basketball. And I left college my third year to play uh, professional basketball in Europe. And after a few years, uh, realizing that that wasn't going to work out, um, I enrolled in uh, art school in Stockholm. Uh, which is actually the place I was was born and and lived until I was about 11. Uh, And upon graduating from art school, uh, I met a perfumer for the first time and became 
fascinated uh, by smell, as I called it at the time, uh, and specifically the connection between smell and memory. Uh, so I embarked on a creative uh, journey where I asked this perfumer to help translate very specific personal memories into smells. And that became the, uh, the foundation for what was going to be Byredo, the brand. How did Byredo, first of all, I've been calling it Byredo, I guess incorrectly for, you know, <laughs> 15 plus years now. But so Byredo, thank you. Me too. It's like a Spanish accent. <laughs> I know. So thank you for correcting me. Um, so Byredo, how did Byredo come to life though? I, I love this this idea of you, you know, having this meeting with this perfumer who inspired you to create this this brand and 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 you you know translating these memories but like it sounds like this was kind of a creative um collab yeah like yeah a personal like a collaboration project how did it come to you how did it how did it come to become a commercial brand like i realized that's probably a much bigger kind of like project or it could be like its own one hour podcast in itself, but how did it become a commercial venture? Yeah, no, it's it's a good question. And I think um, to be fair, it was completely creatively driven at first. Uh, I was fascinated by uh, this invisible medium. I'd gone to school, we studied fine arts and I'd learned the basics of painting and photography and sketching and sculpture. And, and here was something completely invisible that uh, evoked so much emotion. So uh, it did start in that very naive, creative place. Uh, and I think in that initial project of translating these memories into smells, when I started to show them to people, uh, I started to understand that I had uh, two choices. One was to pursue it as an art. Uh, mm -hmm. and honestly most of the most friends that were artists struggled the other one was to take you know all the ambitions and aspirations i had about life and lifestyle and to found a commercial venture or a brand uh and i thought you know a brand and a company would be a great way to sustain this uh this interest that had grown into a bit of an obsession uh, so, so did you, it, it did, choice. sorry, did, did you like know business? Did you know like, okay, we're going to get some like business people on board and we're going to brand it? Like, how did you, cause it, honestly, like it's one of the most polished, beautiful, like it's, it's, I, I think it, it's a successful brand and such an amazing story for so many reasons. But like this thing was like birthed and it like comes out of the box and it's like, this it, it it there's no kind of like oh you see it and like oh look at how the brand was born and it was this little thing and then you see it evolved into this like beautiful professional thing like it was born and it looked like it had been there a million years you know it was so professional from the day <laughs> it came out I'm, uh, I'm well maybe you didn't see you know a lot of people didn't see the first iterations I didn't see the beta no the beta mode for sure. <laughs> You know, it, it was Mojave Ghost, like you know, yeah. V one. The, the, the mom and pop version existed somehow, but um, no. But it, it had to do with my. I aspired to 
luxury and I looked up to luxury brands and I come from, you know, a relatively you know, poor, humble background. So like that world was never accessible to me, but I had mm. this, um, this aspiration. And I think that fueled the, the, the competitive part of me making sure that the product was good enough and that it played in that arena and that it resonated with people emotionally the way that those big brands did. Um, so it was, um, it was calculated, uh, but it was also a lot of work because, um, it, but, but also the industry at that time, uh, especially fragrance and, and beauty, which was primarily uh, a licensing business, something that fashion and luxury companies had licensed to, to beauty groups. There was also this phenomenon of celebrity fragrance. Uh, there was also over 500 fragrances being launched every year. Uh, mm-hmm. There was also, and everything smelled the same. So taking a sensibility, you know, from art and from fashion and the things I like, um, I, in, in hindsight, I can say, well, you know, that was quite clever. But at the time, um, people just weren't doing that fragrance, the industry was doing one thing and they were copying copies and, and creativity was not at the forefront. And it wasn't until customers started to say, Hey, wait a minute. I want to express my personality, uh, by wearing something unique, or I would like, as I spend $2,000 on a pair of shoes, maybe I should spend more than $29 on my fragrance that I put on my skin. And so it was a big change in, in the way people perceived um, fragrance. Uh, and I think it went from, you know, people wanting to smell like everybody else as a form of inclusion to it becoming fragrance and smell becoming a point of difference uh, and, and the importance of the individual and being unique and expressing yourself. And I think, to, you know, timing was impeccable for, for me founding this brand and then riding a wave of, of change in an industry allowed us to commercially uh, have a success, which I'm grateful for. You brought up two concepts that are sort of at, at odds with each other. One is luxury, and you said you wanted it to be aspirational, but yet you also are talking about inclusivity. And I've heard you say you want it to be an inclusive luxury brand. So what does that mean? And how do you reconcile those two things when before luxury was by its nature uh, exclusive? I, I think I redefined what luxury was to me. You know, I, I, I looked at it and I said, uh, you know, there were these industry pillars and, you know, scarcity or scarcity was one and price was another and uh, heritage pedigree was another. Uh, for me, it was about quality and it was about uh, authenticity. So the products needed to have a reason for being. Uh, and, you know, as you guys described this as a, a very like personal approach to something, that was partly the reason for being out the gate was that these emotions and these smells, yeah. they were tied to me as a person, you know, so they were in essence authentic. Uh, and, and secondly, I, you know, even though packaging and typeface and everything is quite simple and quite clean, um, you know, I designed a typeface from scratch. I, mm. uh, 
I worked meticulously to make sure that the magnets and the caps had the right pressure for women's hands and men's hands and big men's <laughs> hands like my own. So, uh, you know, it, and also more importantly, when it came to the raw materials uh, and the fragrances themselves, I, I was able to work with uh, Roberté, a fragrance house, which is, um, you know, world leading and the, the biggest when it comes to naturals. And I was able to access the highest quality of raw materials. Um, and so I spent a lot of the, yeah. not only my budget, but a lot of my time focusing on the juice. Uh, and I felt at the end of the day that selling somebody a product once um, was um, doable, but these repeat purchases and getting people to, to commit to the signature of these smells, um, that required uh, uniqueness and, and a certain level of quality. So in terms of, you know, what luxury was for me, it was very much about the quality of this product and its reason for being. Right. Not some club no, that you have sure. to and, buy and into. In regards to, you know, the inclusivity, that club, uh, that's very much mm -hmm. how I perceived luxury as a, as a stiff, elitist cultural nerve, something that excluded people for all kinds of reasons, including you know, uh, diversity or origin, including income. And, and I, you know, I wanted this uh, brand to be inclusive as a culture. I wanted the ideas that I um, explored to relate to people in general on a human level, not in terms of, um, you know, flying private or dining at that restaurant in Paris or uh, right. so, so, so I tried to apply a very right. kind of universal idea to storytelling. Uh, and, and that spoke to the inclusivity of what I was trying to do. Can I ask you, I, I know Jen is about to ask another question, but just before we get off this topic, what would, you know, you said you when you were younger or like, you know, you were, you were interested in like the idea of aspiration when you were creating this brand, were there any brands, because I love your idea of like, what is luxury and that you were trying to create something that was a different idea of luxury in the fragrance business. When you were younger and thinking about what a luxury brand is, what brands spoke to you? Well, I think... Because it seems like you were turned off by some of the you know old ideas of luxury. Yeah. So I'm curious, what brands were sure. you into? It, you know, it was less about being turned off and, and more about questioning... Uh, the cultural relevance of some of these brands. Mm -hmm. um, I looked at a brand like Hermes and I would think mm -hmm. a great heritage and a great craft and one of the few true luxury brands because they've maintained their craft moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not in the fragrance or beauty aspect of what they do, but in terms of leather, the, the savoir-faire existed. Um, I, looked at, uh, I looked at Chanel I thought when I spoke to anybody about fragrance, Chanel was at the top of the list. It be it become kind of an icon, uh, you know, with almost a hundred years of history commercially in, in perfume. You know, that represented a form of archetype. The way that they worked graphically was very precise, something that, you know, most people may not notice, but as I would you know, obsess and stare and and read and try to understand what what the ingredients were. 
um, mm-hmm. the way that they approached packaging over, you know, their history is quite impressive. Um, and then, you know, it could be, it, it could also be a cobbler in London. It could also be, um, you know, pizza guy in Tokyo. It was very like craft oriented too. And I think that shift from big brands to the specialist, uh, that was also happening at a time. So I enjoyed, um, you know, I enjoyed traveling to Tokyo to be able to go to that store to buy that perfect white t-shirt. So, you know, so there were many like cultural nerves to, to what I was doing at the time. But, um, but I think, you know, when I moved to, when I moved to Canada, um, I was probably 11 or 12 and then I, I moved to New York, but coming to North America, I think coming from a, you know, a socialist, like simple life in Sweden and coming to America and then learning that some people, that, that there were the haves and have nots, that became quite like clear to me as a teenager. And I remember thinking about, uh, what allowed certain people to have things and, and other people not to have things. You're doing a very good job at putting these really hard concepts into words, which makes me realize why you're good at putting emotions into fragrance, which feels so difficult, like capturing even that emotion you were just talking about of like, wow, there's inequality in the world. Could that be a perfume? You know, I'm thinking about, has there, what have been some of the most difficult memories to put into a bottle? And I know some things are private, so they'll never never be a Byredo fragrance. But of the fragrances that are out there, what were really difficult to sort of turn into a juice, if you will? The thing to remember also is that I started knowing nothing, nothing about perfumery, nothing about fragrance, nothing about it. It was all, and it, you so know, it was all difficult. to be honest, I still know very little, <laughs> but there was a learning curve. And I think, uh, there is a distinction in when I am, the early work was very much about tr- translating very tangible, specific memories. Uh, and I could create a brief for the perfumer that consisted of, a time period, a person describing a smell, uh, an object or raw material or a geographical location. Uh, And I think when it became difficult, when I truly started to feel like it was challenging is when I tried to uh, approach or integrate this this abstract idea of emotions Uh, and also then adding a level of fiction or aspiration to it. All of a sudden, when I was in this abstract realm, I would sit down with the perfumer and say, hey, you know, uh, we should add a, uh, it needs to smell more like love. You know, and and then realizing that his idea of love was very different than mine. Uh, And then starting to understand that, Right. What does what does well, love it was smell different like now to you? Than it was fifteen years ago, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, to me it smells like my wife now. I mean, it's it's uh, it's tied very much to, to you know to the love of my life. But as you get into like emotions, you understand you truly understand the subjective nature of smell. What was the perfumer giving? He was you? giving like me probably yeah. What what. Uh, you know, what we've been programmed to think love is. So uh, he was trying to approach it in an objective way. Uh, and I wasn't so interested in that. So I had, to, I had to find new ways of defining that. So as opposed to saying love, I would say, hey, this is my wife. This is what she's like. This is what she wears. This is the life she lives. 
this is how she smells or this is how she makes me feel. And then, you know, I was expanding those, the depth of these briefs. Uh, and this is also why I chose to work with, you know, primarily one, two perfumers throughout the, the history of this brand is because I felt that that line of communication and, and that mutual understanding was everything because this person was responsible for translating my emotions into a smell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So w- are there are there any like fragrances where, I mean, I feel like I've heard people call all of your fragrances like, oh, this one's my favorite, that one's my favorite. I don't think there's one fragrance that, um, that to me, they're all successes. But is there one that you feel like, wow, this one is a bigger success than I anticipated? Kind of like a dark horse. No, but uh, there is uh, a few that are bigger failures than I ever considered they would be commercially. Mm. Uh, work that I thought was extremely beautiful and almost uh, avant-garde by nature, they just didn't resonate with people because they were too extreme. One example is a fragrance I did with uh, two friends of mine, uh, Design Duo out of Paris called MM Paris. And we created a fragrance called Mink, which was short for MM Ink, which was based on a very specific uh, calligraphy ink. Um, that a Japanese artist um, had brought us. And uh, it was a very beautiful, very creative uh, fragrance, but extremely polarizing. And um, and just nobody buys it. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I really thought that, you know, there'd be a, at least a small group of people committed to this idea of, of uh, obscure smells. But... Um, and in terms of successes, yeah, you know, one of the, because I work with one perfumer and because we had an idea about creating a, a signature almost or a style of fragrance, which was very much about simplifying. So very beautiful raw materials, lots of naturals, um, but very simple formulas, allowing all these raw materials to have enough space to, to, to express themselves. Um, we found that a lot of people also uh, were able to buy a fragrance and then move on to another one and try one and find a new fragrance. So there is there is kind of a, uh, a style of fragrance that you'll find when you go through um, the Byredo fragrances. Uh, and that's allowed us to keep up, as opposed to that rule of, you know, one fragrance accounting for 80% of your sales. I'd probably say we have seven or eight that account for 80% of ourselves. You, you said that the emotions are hard to put into a fragrance, like love, for example. What about memories? Was there a particular memory that you had to go through so many iterations with the perfumer to get it right? Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, I think, you know, if I take it, you know, step back, my idea with the link between um, smell and memory was I wanted to, even though these memories were personal, I wanted to tap into something that I defined as a collective memory. And with that, I mean, uh, I, you know, I recreated the, the place where my mother was born and raised in India as a smell. And even though that was my mother, uh, it tapped into this collective memory of India. And I felt that that was important because most people could say, oh, yeah, India, smell, that says something to me. And that would have them engaging with product. Uh, so sometimes 
taking creating that approach to things made it difficult because I was also tapping into uh, in terms of the perfumer I was tapping into general ideas like India and it became clear that his memory of India was different than mine so that meant you know and and specifically you know India was it was called Ansan Chambur and Chambur was the place where my mother was born and raised uh and I described uh, a very specific place and a very specific incense tied to the temples in that area. And I, dis- I linked um, spices and ingredients that were close to my family and the way that we lived. So they were all um, difficult. And it is the, you know, I'd say that it is the tedious part of the process, is not designing packaging or even formulating, you know, an idea on paper, the, the, the difficulty is, is when you, you start the, the many iterations with uh, back and forth with the perfumer to adjust uh, the smell. You, you mentioned India. I imagine you, did you visit there when you were growing up? Yes, many times as a child. So is that sounds like it was an influential scent in your in your childhood. What are some other scents that sort of growing up influenced you or influenced the work you do now? Well, I think you know, I um I captured this the smell of how I remember my father smelling. Um he he left the family when I was quite young, but the way he smelled was very distinct and uh and stayed with me, you know, forever and still does to this day. That's uh, I recreated that at some point as a smell. How does he smell? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have to describe it. Don't give me the packaging <laughs> description. Give me the Ben the pa- description. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I, it, it was a, it was, uh, it was a very emotional. Uh, that was a very emotional project. I think everything was, you know, it was a bit like writing your biography. You know, it was, it was therapeutic somehow to to, to go through uh, all these memories and things that were distinct to you, and they started you know, um, naturally very close to you with, with family and, and with me, the relationship with, you know, my parents. Um, he, that one was complex because I remember him smelling of a perfume um, that I didn't know what it was. So, so I described, not only did I describe, you know, he was an avid smoker and I described, um, you know, clear memories of him um, wearing leather gloves and making, you know, snowballs in the snow and that mix between wet snow and tobacco. Uh, But also something that I felt smelled like a green bean almost. Uh, And and I think that uh, clue um, led the perfumer to understand that one of the biggest commercial fragrances in the world at that time was called Gray Flannel by Jeffrey Bean, an American designer. Which, which later was kind of reiterated as um, became the basis for a, a fragrance at Christian Dior called Fahrenheit. So, you know, it was a, it was a great fragrance at the time, and most people wore it. Um, so that was also an yeah. ingredient in that fragrance. So um, no. I'm rambling a little Wh- bit, but it's which also was just an ingredient? A, the green yeah. beanie smell? Yeah. <laughs> was the put into your version smell. and what which fragrance what's the name of that fragrance uh it was the green green i actually had to discontinue it 
because I fell out with my dad. Uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Oh. But no, no. I was like, <laughs> You're, no. he's done. His fragrance is over. <laughs> he's done. No, uh, no, it just, you know, I really enjoy creating fragrance. So I have, um, some people will take years to make a fragrance. Um, I've become quite efficient. So I've also felt like I have all these ideas that I want to get out there and get people to try. So I've developed yeah. a fair amount of fragrances over the last few years. So you have to uh, edit continuously. Huh? I have to edit to make sure I have money to make new ones. I don't know if the invitations have started coming in for you, but we're about to enter what I like to call, what kind of underpinnings should I wear to your wedding? season. That's right. We probably all have some cute new dresses for weddings and events coming up this spring. And I'll tell you what needs to go under them. Honey love. I am not about to squeeze my way through another person's wedding in uncomfortable shapewear that rolls up. I got the Honey Love Super Power Short. Full disclosure, I also wore it on New Year's Eve because I had on sequins and I wanted everything to lay smooth. And that's what Honey Love does. The Super Power Shorts have targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts without squeezing your curves, and you won't have to worry about the waist rolling down thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. The Honey Love Super Power Short also gives your butt a nice lift. The shorts have these built-in boost bands that give everything a subtle, comfortable, let's just say boost. We're not talking unbelievable plastic surgery levels of butt lifting, just a little zhuzh. And as you know, Honey Love has more than just sculpt wear. They have incredibly comfortable bras. How many times have Jess and I talked about the bras? They also have tanks, leggings, everything you need for everyday support. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them that we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara. Move with confidence thanks to Honeylove. Jess, you know how facialists and derms are always telling us that the skin on our body deserves the same attention as the skin on our face? Well, Sol de Janeiro is giving me the inspiration to actually follow that advice for once. The Sol de Janeiro Beige Flor Elastic Cream is basically clinically proven skincare and body cream that smells amazing. The fact that the Beige Flor Elastic Cream smells so good and it's really effective makes it perfect two-in-one for me. Totally. The scent would be enough to keep me going, but the Sol de Janeiro Beige Flor Elastic Cream is also packed with some seriously effective skincare ingredients. There's whole press cacay oil. I've also been using the cream on my neck and chest, which is an area that could use some love. But to be honest, I wasn't really inspired to treat it before. However, since I've been using this, I've noticed a big difference. Plus, get this, Sol de Janeiro also did a third-party study of the Beige Flor Elastic Cream and found it improved the appearance of crepiness on consumers' chest skin in just two weeks. It's the smell for me, though, Jen. You can layer the Elastic Cream with Sol de Janeiro's Cherosa 68 Perfume Mist. You know the scent. It smells so good. It's got pink dragon fruit, lychee essence, vanilla, sun musk, mm, 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 sheer. You can spray it whenever you want, wherever you want, on your hair, your clothing, your body. There's no rules. And we have some great news. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code MASCARA10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com and use the code MASCARA10 for 10% off. Guys, I have to admit it, I like a little bit of luxury, but 
I don't want to just buy one luxurious item. I want to buy several things. And that's where Quince comes in. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. So I can buy a couple of things. Yeah, you don't like a little bit of luxury. You like a lot of bit of luxury. Okay, it is a lot. I guess you're right, you're right. Load up your cart, though. At Quince, it's totally fine. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk. They partner direct with top factories, so they cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings along to you and us and me. For example, I mean, how many things have I bought from Quince? My latest acquisition is the European linen sheet set. I wanted to jump on that whole linen sheet trend. I want to just feel like Cleopatra. And they have so many great colors. It's breathable, feels luxurious, but doesn't cost luxury prices. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash fatmascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash fatmascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash fatmascara. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash fatmascara. You have um, another venture that you are just you've just launched. You just did a collaboration, your first well, Viredo's first color line, your first makeup line, with Isamaya French, the makeup yes. artist. So I'm curious how this collaboration came about. Like, how did you guys meet? Have you been wanting to do a makeup line? I mean, yeah. when do you have time? Like, like <laughs> about five years ago, uh, I felt that. Makeup could be a great physical manifestation of, of beauty uh, at Byredo. And the initial challenge was that I'd never worn makeup. Um, and so I had a hard time relating to it as a category emotionally. Uh, and after a few months of, of, of research and, um, and ex- experimenting, I felt like, you know, maybe I couldn't do it myself. So I put it on ice. And about two years after that, I came across the work of uh, Isamaya uh, on Instagram, actually. A friend of mine said, you should look at this. And, you know, being drawn to it instantly uh, for its, you know, creativity was one part of it. Uh, but I also started to feel like uh, the person that was doing this was very interesting and that they had a similar outsider perspective uh, to makeup as I had had to fragrance at one point. Um, and we had a common friend, so I reached out and I was, um, I eventually met her in person. And uh, and it started more as, you know, just creative dis- discussions about what she does and what we do. And to be honest, it took it took a few months of um, convincing because uh, she wasn't so keen on just doing another makeup line. And it wasn't until she understood that Barbito was a very different beast and that the framework for what we wanted to do with color would be completely different than probably anything she'd done for other big brands. And it started in... Uh, just defining, you know, common ground uh, mm. and understanding that we had to approach this as we did with fragrance in a completely uh, emotional way. Yeah. Uh, and less about the, the function of makeup or the solution of makeup that many people sell today. 
Well, I love, um, I've tried the line. I love the color sticks I, I, for cool. you know anyone who's listening and they want to know, what is this line? Why do I need it? Should I, what should I try? You have these great color sticks, which are just kind of like these play sticks. They're like like kind of like eyes, lips, cheeks, wear them wherever you like. So you talk about the function of makeup, not telling you what to do with them. They're just sticks of color that you can kind of apply anywhere. Is that yeah. the and, best description, that, Ben? That's it. For, for the color stick. <laughs> do I, do I have a job writing copy for you? I, I, I Try them anywhere. Do. You're going to have to send me some looks. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's 16 color sticks. Uh, and, and yeah, as you mentioned, you know, they, you wear them on your lip, uh, eye or cheek, and, and they really considered, you know, all skin types. Uh, and they considered that, um, that people could use vibrant color to express themselves yeah. in, in very innovative ways. So it, it is somehow an open source uh, system. So fragrance is, you know, the category was not having an easy time before the pandemic. Um, definitely having a hit now. That's no secret to our listeners. But what do you think fragrance needs to do to stay relevant right now? Um, just I think more broadly a, speaking, a, not just by Rito. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a girl on my team named Annie, and she's always saying, we got to break the smell screen barrier. <sighs> you know, like, it, it's going to be very much about that. It's going to be, um, there's been a fast forward in the evolution of digital and e-com, uh, fragrance as an industry is going to have to find ways uh, to, uh, to communicate smells in a new way. Uh, and I also think there's been such a, you know, just in the last few years, there's been such a big shift, continued shift in the market. Consumers are savvy. They want products of a certain quality and um, they don't want to smell like everybody else. So I think um, brands are going to have to continue innovating, continue inspiring, uh, and, and making product that, that speaks to uh, what people want today. So I think it's, uh, it's been a relatively stale industry, and I think they, it's got to be picked up a bit. And, I, uh, and then in terms of you know, a pandemic, um, who knows what's going to come out of this? I just know that uh, if people are stuck at home, uh, I was I was worried that people weren't going to be wearing fragrance, uh, uh, but but it was quite the opposite. Fragrance has become a an emotional part of people's routines, uh, and I expect. You yeah, know, I've seen some of the numbers from makeup. But the same thing: if people are sitting at home, do they put makeup on? Maybe not as much. Uh, but I think once they let out the house, they're going to be real happy to put some lipstick on. Uh, so I expect things to change or normalize to a certain degree. You've done a lot of collaborations. You listed some of them as Maya, obviously. Do we do we hear you saying there's going to be like a tech collaboration in the future? Like what, who's the dream venture for the future? I think we're all definitely going to be more techy in our approach, to be honest. But I think... I want the smell of vision. <laughs> I need you to invent it. Yeah, please. I know. Unfortunately, you know, Give it I, a better I name racked now. my brain around that one many years ago, uh, and because of the yeah. um, the you know the depth of that category, you just I don't think we'll get there um, in in a tech. Uh, It'll be a platform for you, if not. May, 
you Maybe. inventing it. How well, about what that? I do think is interesting, though, is that people are starting to think about what they smell. And that level of awareness is really interesting. We have customers that come in and now know not only what fragrance family they gravitate towards, they know the smell of mm. certain ingredients. Uh, mm. And I think as that awareness or level of awareness of smell, as it is with, you know, as we're programmed visually with so much, we start to learn more about smell. And uh, I think that'll make it easier for people to make decisions, you know, in a, in a virtual way as well. Jess, do you want to go ahead and yeah, do our let's little do speed it. round? We have a fun brain experiment okay, for ready? you to end our interview. So <laughs> what is the first beauty or grooming product you ever fell in love with? Like true love? Like the one you were first obsessed with, the one that ignited your passion for the industry. Uh, is this the speed round? <laughs> 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 it's the thoughtful round. It's, it's, it's the first thing that first thing that comes to your Take mind. Your first time I smelled the fragrance candle, it smelled like uh, like apple pie. I was blown away <laughs> that smell could be so accurate. Was it like a Yankee candle, or was it just like a? It pretty, yeah, it was one of those. Like pretty much, you know, like a mall. Yeah, like a mall candle. Candle. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. 11-year-old yeah. Ben at the like And then Toronto. from there, Byredo <laughs> was born. Oh, my right, God. When right, are we getting right, that yeah, Byredo? Many years later. We, are we going to get like an apple pie Byredo candle? Like the more like elevated yeah. version? <laughs> Maybe when I become old or nostalgic <laughs> enough, you might. Just in time for the holidays. Oh, my God. Yeah. Give us the pandemic Byredo <laughs> candle, that comfort food we all want. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Then, okay. Who is the celebrity you just know you'd be best friends with? Lenny Kravitz. Len- no, I'm yeah. right. It's going to be so weird. Oh, yeah. Lenny Kravitz? Le- Oh, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny. Okay. I can see that. I was hoping for some like weird, like comedian. Uh... Like someone goofy. Like I wanted a surprise. <laughs> I. No, like I thought it's gonna be someone like like just like a like a like a weird like, like a weird surprise. Like you love like I don't know, like Will Ferrell or someone. That face is not telling me Will Ferrell. <laughs> he's he's <Nah. laughs> he's on brand. Lenny yes, Kravitz no, Lenny like, Kravitz that makes, makes sense. sense to me. That face is that's like not Will Ferrell. <laughs> we'll allow it. All right. <laughs> okay. What is your most favorite indulgent snack? These are hard. These are hard. Uh, favorite indulgence. Ice cream. Flavor. Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Uh, Which flavor? What's the one I like? <laughs> what's, the, what's the super, what's the super uh, popular Chunky one? Monkey? The Grateful Dead one? The no, chun- not Chunky um, Monkey. American uh, Cone. Fish food? Cook- cookies. Cook- <laughs> no. Chocolate chip cookie Late dough. Night, whatever. Yeah. Half, I feel half like baked. that's what it's called. I feel like half we're not. Baked. Oh, that's a goodie. That's a goodie. That's a goodie. Oh, half yeah. big. That's that is one. actually okay. the best. Right. What's the song that pumps you up? <laughs> I'm loving wow. watching your face wow. and all these the stress. Making fragrances. Is it was easier. a song. It was a song. Uh, there was a rap song called uh, "Bigger Than Hip Hop" by a group called. Uh, dead Prez that came out when I was in high school. Okay, okay, I I don't know that one, but I'll I'll, I'll nice. do a listen. Okay, 
And what do you want to raise a wand to? Now, this is like, what, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to like pump up? What are you obsessed with? It could be a movement, a person. Black, black lives, a black product. lives matter. Finally. Raise a wand to black lives yes. matter. Okay. That's excellent. Without a doubt. Love it. Thank you. Okay. I can't, I want to picture you with the perfumer and the exercises you do together to translate them into scent. I imagine they're much harder than this just was, right? Yeah, but I have like a month to, do, <laughs> to formulate them. It's, it's, the, ti- it's the time constraint yeah. okay. problem here. <laughs> Who doesn't work That's, well under you know? pressure? I've been doing this for 15, you know, this is a slow build. For 15 years, I've been tweaking this brand. That That's the, uh, it's one of the, one of the things that I try to explain to people is that, uh, you know, I've been doing the same thing for 15 years obsessively, looking at the packaging and the box and the smells. It, um, it, I'm slow at, at most things. Do you, do you look at, do you look at other brands and Thoughtful. say that looks a little bit like a Pyrito? Lately? Yeah. Yeah. First, first I would, uh, at first, I think it started a few years yeah. ago. It was so blatant, mm-hmm. uh, and I I took it really personally. Like in a good way or a bad way? Um, you got mad? or No, in a, in a bad way. I got yeah. mad, yeah. Uh, and then I um, and then I just kind of relaxed, and I thought, you know, it, you know, we're inspiring people to not only to buy things, also to make things. Um, and I think um, today uh, it doesn't really bother me that much. That much, and I think being That's authentic it. and original. Uh, most people know the difference. So uh, I don't worry about it too much. That's an excellent reframe. Well done. So, yeah, I got through it. You see that? See how professional I was? I'm, I'm, I mean, it's hot in here. I mean, the man has no idea I had, like, a beauty crush on him. I mean, he does now because he heard the intro. But, like, I'm really proud of myself for keeping it together. That's all I'm going to say. You ready to raise a wand? <laughs> I'm ready to raise a wand. But it, it is it is something when someone has talent and, um, you know, is attractive and they're nice. Wait, this is funny. And now I'm thinking this might be a subconscious thing. But the product I'm raising a wand to is in honor of my husband. That's oh. right. I'm a married woman right now. Oh, Eric. So, we love Eric. I know. It's funny. Like my crush like to, went away once I got married. It was just like us talking about how I used to be that made it funny again. Anyway, love my husband. Love when he gets into a beauty or grooming product because he's like, he's a low maintenance, a very low maintenance kind of guy. Um, he has a new toothbrush. It's called the Bruch, I believe. It has two U's with a little umlaut. Mm. Um, it's a sonic toothbrush. 79 bucks, first of all. It's like That's almost good. half the price of some of those really fancy ones. Here's the thing. I love this man to death. He would never change the head of a toothbrush unless oh, like I oh bought boy. the tooth. You know, like, like he would just keep yeah. brushing with it. And I think that they have this scripture. Oh, no, Eric. No, no. I know. Must change. They have this. <laughs> so they just come. So you're like forced to have good oral hygiene, which yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the other thing I really like is um, that we have another brand of toothbrush, the one that I still use because mine still works, but he got this because his old one broke. And when you put the thing on the charger, it makes this weird residue that builds up on the charger. I guess 
guess because of the electricity and the water. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I totally know. That, and so this has yeah, a nice flat charger, so it doesn't get as much residue. And if it does, you could just wipe it off. It's not like those other ones where it gets all gooped up inside the little hole in the bottom of yeah. the thing. Ugh. I know that's a weird talking point to be like, buy this toothbrush because, but like, I thought that was pretty cool. And here I am raising one to my husband's new favorite product, the Bruch toothbrush. I'll put a link on the blog. I think Ooh. it's... Imp- you just put on a lipstick as I was oh, yeah. talking and it looks gorgeous. Oh, thank you. No, this, I, I was going to mention this as a razor one, but it's discontinued. So I don't want to like taunt oh, our listeners. Okay. So like what that. are you going to, yeah, what are you raising um, one to? We just really quick, I do think that it's the fact that the brush is easy to clean any kind of weird residue. I think that's a major, major, major because. Right. Yeah, like no one needs to like when you're cleaning your teeth, look at like some like funky crusty stuff on the bottom that of the is thing. So disgusting. I know. I'm just being real. Like that. I know no, exactly. Anybody what you're who has an about. electric toothbrush knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like defeats the whole purpose of like you want like oral hygiene. Yeah. It's unhygienic. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> the brush. I like that. I actually um in the, I'm I'm in the market. It, right. I'm in the market for a new electric toothbrush. So that's that's awesome. So my razor wand is not a beauty product. It's actually a piece of jewelry, but you don't have to get the piece of jewelry that I have chosen for myself. It's a website that I'm obsessed with. It's called Girls Crew, which feels like a little like juvenile, like I've not got juvenile, giggles, but I like good giggles. Go ahead. It's yeah, it's it's like I feel like Girls de- Crew, yeah, Girls Crew. Like it has like a jingle. In my head. <laughs> yeah, the demo is like I think for like the twenty. 20- early 20s, like, Instagram shopper. I like Claire's, but now I'm all grown up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very, like, cool girl Instagram, like, shopper. Okay. But they they targeted me because they clearly know, like, my aesthetic on Instagram. Okay. Which is, like, delicate rings and, like, little delicate jewelry with, like, a whimsical touch. Yeah, yeah, it is. With, like, a rose gold with, like, yeah. little vintage, like, inspiration. Mm-hmm. But go on, yeah. go on. So, of course, you. like, I felt seen. And I was also very excited that so much of the jewelry was under $50. Okay. So, I started buying some pieces from them this year when I needed some retail therapy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then I get, like, texts from them that's, like, only tonight, flash sale. <laughs> I got to get on that. It's only tonight. Exactly. So like the next one's night. not coming. Only tonight, <laughs> flash sale. Yeah, exactly. So, so I have a couple of pieces from them. Um, I like this ring that I got. It has, I'm so original, a moon. Oh, it's <laughs> celestial. It's very like Charlotte Tilbury vibes. Like, you know, yes. she, like has rose gold celestial vibes. She always has the best jewelry when you see her in person. Yes. It's a very, a lot of celestial. They also had for the summer, they had a lot of fruit. Um, like they had like a whole fruit basket theme, like pears, grapes, like kind of like cute stuff that you don't really see everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, a lot of stuff is under $50. So if you need a little retail therapy, pick me up, check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's fun. And you know, like Jen laughed at me because I described it before. It's like, it's really great costume jewelry. Do people not say that anymore? <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's like a thing moms say. I just call, I guess because once you have real jewelry, like once you're like a, like a more mature woman who has like expensive jewelry, then the other stuff becomes costume jewelry. Oh, I, to, it's my to costume me, like, that I mix with like my like three pieces of real jewelry. Yeah, it just sounds old fashioned. And I, and I well, know. I guess that sometimes I'm old fashioned. I mix in. I think it like, look, I doesn't that look cool? That looks like real gold. Yeah. Yeah. So I mix it with like, if you wear a wedding band or something and mix it with the other stuff and it looks like, it looks actually nicer than it is. Girlscrew.com. Can I tell you something really funny? Just really quick. 
So when Joan Rivers was alive and she sold her stuff on, I believe, QVC, Mm -hmm. she said, obviously her stuff was costume. She said, when somebody asked you, is it real jewelry? You say, yeah, yeah, it's real jewelry. Because like, yeah, it's real jewelry. Okay. I love that. No costume as modifier necessary. Yeah, it's real. Exactly. It's real jewelry. That's the new girls crew tagline. Girls crew. Crew. It's real. It's, It's real jewelry. I love that. It's like, F you is real. <laughs> oh my God. I love you. Okay. All right, guys. We'll you. see you next week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product with you or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAS10. That's S O. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.